You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. At some point, you're just like, all right, you know what? If you don't want to be here, it is, it is what it is. And hold out 10 weeks. It's totally fine with us. Like, as a team, we're, we're totally fine. It takes 11 guys, not just one. Now when it's game time and you know that you have $14 million looming out there and you're still not here and your team really wants you here, it's just, at this point, we got Connor. Manny, Manny, Manny. That was the voice of Marquise Pouncey, the center for the Pittsburgh Steelers, talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell, who the team has put the franchise tag again and he, Bell, has said, I'm not showing up this time. Um, also, hold, yeah. hold on a second here. I'm going to play, so that that was Pouncey. This is uh, fellow offensive lineman Ramon Foster from the Steelers. You throw some of that on my contract. You know, that's how I feel about it is, um, in the ultimate team sport, we've created a, a league of individuals in a sense. I know the league is all about get your money, get paid. I love it, but... My perspective is a whole lot different now. I'm in year 10. This guy, what is Le'Veon about to go into year 7? You know, you're not getting younger, so win it, get paid next year. Where do you even start with this? Well, I mean, how the- long has Le'Veon Bell been saying that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, sign, I'll, sign the, I'll sign the franchise tag, and then I'll get, I'll get the real money next year. Yeah, a couple of years. He's, 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 yeah. he's, he's, he's tired of doing that. He's been saying but, that, and he's tired of doing but that. But you can't... Okay, but here, here's the starting point of my frustration with these players who play, by the way, the most brutal professional sport that we consume. Mm-hmm. Like the our favorite sports. Football is way up there. It's probably, certainly, number one, and it's a brutal life. And And these guys put their bodies basically in jeopardy every weekend and all the time. But what do they complain about too? Every time the NBA salaries, right? Mm-hmm. How if, if when NBA free agency starts every summer, you hear football players saying, you know, look at that, look at those contracts, or or they talk about, and they're right. They the owners at every turn push them around. Mm-hmm. Their player association is almost a joke. I wouldn't pay dues. I mean, it's it's they it's a joke. It's embarrassment. Yep. And I don't know if Foster and Pouncey comprehend this or what. But you are undoing any good that you could do. You are the owners had to hear that and be delighted. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what they want. And and I don't know if brainwashed is the right term or what, but my God, you guys play in a billion dollar industry yep. under which you are necessary. You are the key to the product. You're the players. If you all go away and we put replacements in there, the product stinks. It's not fun to watch, and a lot of us quit watching it. And instead of being like, and it, you know, I don't necessarily like that Le'Veon's not here, but I totally get it, which should be the stance publicly. Mm-hmm. They say stuff like this, and I say, you can't even get your own team to rally around a guy who, who by the way, everyone's... Who you co- need. Yes. Yeah. And- if you're going to win a Super Bowl, if the Steelers are going to win a Super Bowl, they need Le'Veon Bell. But furthermore... They need him. But furthermore, everyone needs him to get paid. Yeah. But instead of him getting paid, they're all saying, well, he said he'd show up, and if he doesn't show up, he doesn't care about us, meaning the team, meaning 
we are doing the work. These the players owners. are doing the work of the owners. And when they and should they, be. And these guys should be going on a strike in two years, Manny. Right. And and for the immediate, for right now, if you're Pouncey and Foster, what you should be doing is going to the off, going up to the front office and saying, look, and 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 spin it however you want to them. Make it about make it about football. Make it about winning a Super Bowl and just say, look, Le'Veon's not here. We need him. We want to win a championship. Mm-hmm. We need him. Mm-hmm. Can you guys please work something out with him? Well, and yes, and and publicly, if you want to go frontal on somebody, right? So mm-hmm. let's say let's say you're just PO'd and you want to go frontal. It's really simple. Khalil Mack just got paid. Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr. just got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Donald just got paid. Aaron Rodgers just got Aaron paid. Aaron Rodgers. So if you if you want to go frontal on somebody and ESPN comes up to you and you're pouncy, it's easy. You say, my team's cheap. My team's not paying this guy. This guy should get a multi-year contract. There's no excuse for what my team is doing. But, and I don't, I understand that the that a lot of fans will say, well, the players are greedy. The player, No, no, they're not. They play... I'll say it again. It's a billion-dollar industry, and the owners but, at every turn try and get away with this crap, and they're allowed to because of stuff like this. And that's the and, and you know you talked about the fans too, and that's that just that speaks to a further problem with a lot of the fans that are just like because the fans don't care. The fans are just like, just give me my football. I just want my football. I don't care. Well, he's he's being selfish. He just he just needs to show up and play because because I want my football and I want to watch my football. I don't want to talk about guys' contracts and all this, all that stuff. But these guys, to your point, are beating themselves up on a weekly basis, on a daily basis in practice. Now they've you know practices have gotten lighter over the years, and you know guys aren't hitting each other as much as they used to years ago. But these guys are beating their bodies up, especially. The Le'Veon Bells of the world, who are running backs, who have the shortest shelf life of any position in football. And Le'Veon Bell's like, I'm playing on a year-to-year contract, and yeah, I, I signed the franchise tender, and it's fully guaranteed for that one year, but I want some security here. And I've been busting my butt for you. I've been a really, really fantastic player for you. Mm-hmm. One of the best over in terms of skill position players, one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. And you're going to keep doing this to me every year? Well, you're and, just going to keep signing me to and, a franchise tag every year? And Screw you, I'm not showing up. And to be clear here, if you're the Steelers and your stance is, Le'Veon, the problem is you play a position at which we can find guys, not as good as you, but we can find guys, and, and your shelf life indicates to us that it's past the point of signing you to a long-term contract, that's fair. What what infuriates me about this is players turning on, on a teammate like this when everyone else, when other guys are getting paid. This mm-hmm. makes no sense. I mean, these guys, I can't emphasize to you enough how much these guys need to go out. They need to strike. Yeah. They need to strike. They are in the most successful sport in this country and one of the most successful sports in this world and at every turn they are getting screwed and you so, have, so if the team wants to say that to bell that's certainly within their rights but for these jokers who i'm telling you it's brain they're brainwashed mm-hmm. to a team 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 well hold on a second at some point it's business and and at it's some n- point you do have and, to look out for yourself and if Le'Veon bell had a great five-year contract and held out 
okay, and now I'm closer to seeing their point. But this is this is ridiculous. And I've talked about that that I don't think that they're going to go out because let's say guys 35 through 53 can't afford it or won't. But here we're talking about guys way higher on the food chain of of how much they make than that. And they're turning on a guy. So And year after year, Le'Veon Bell has been betting on himself in terms of just taking the franchise tag and just saying, okay, I'm going to play out this year on the franchise, but I really want a new contract. What what are Foster and Pouncey going to say if Le'Veon Bell does show up whenever he does, signs the franchise tender, and then tears his ACL? Well, do you remember? What, what? Favre, did, Favre did this to Javon Walker. Favre did the team's work. It was um, right after I'd covered the Packers. It was probably going into 2005. And Javon, because of Favre, had had a great year. Mm-hmm. It, it was rice-like. It, it was just one of these years where Favre decides you, you're his guy. Yep. And Javon held out. And Brett did the team's biting for them. And guilt-tripped Javon and went in the media and said, you know, I don't know about this and this and that. And I believe it was in Detroit that year that Javon tore his knee up and was done for the season and never really came back a- after really that. Really he came back that. here and, and tried to play at one point. But the point being is that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Where it did, a player did the team's work for them, guilted the guy into coming back, and his knee blew up. So, yeah, you're right. Um, 651-646-8255. Let's go to our pal Roderick. Roderick, what's going on? The floor is yours. Yes, I wanted to say that I most of the players in the NFL can't afford to hold out for a strike because that's their only livelihood, and they're not making the millions of dollars like Khalil Mack or Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Donald. And so my solution is that I think back about 15, 20 years ago when the Dallas Cowboys were running the league and they were winning three Super Bowl titles. One year, Emmitt Smith held out, and Jerry Jones wasn't going to pay him. So he missed training camp, he missed the preseason, and then he missed the first two games which the Cowboys lost. And after they lost those first two games, then Jerry Jones said, you know, you know what, we need you, and he signed him to a new year, to a new contract. The point is that at that time, running backs were valued. Now they're devalued. Mm-hmm. But the quarterback is very valued. Mm-hmm. So what should happen, since all the players can't strike because they can't afford it, the top 48 quarterbacks, all the starting quarterbacks and maybe half of the second-string quarterbacks. They should strike because they're the one that has the power because they're valuable. And everybody else who's not a quarterback or maybe Odell Beckham Jr. or Khalil Mack who's making all this money, maybe they can strike with them. But everybody else can go play. And then you have them play without the starting quarterbacks. And then you see the owners will come to them and say, hey, what do you want? Because we need the starters in in order to be a successful team. So not everybody has to strike. Just the top, all the starting quarterbacks and half of the backups should strike. And then Hmm. they will get what they want. That's all I have to say. Thanks, Roderick. Thanks. That's an interesting concept. It's interesting. The only only thing is... If you're a, the quarterbacks are getting paid, so the quarterbacks are not right. Really, what's their incentive? What's their, what's their incentive, incentive to, to represent the guys unless who, they just unless they're just saying we're going to do this because we want to send a message because we want the Le'Veon Bells of the world to get paid. But other than like Aaron Rodgers, right. there was so much talk about Aaron Rodgers' contract in the off season, right? And then the Packers, they paid him. 
he didn't even have to hold out because he knew that they were going to pay him. He yeah. knew they were going to pay him. Of course he did. You know, yeah, and and that's so. But I but I think that the idea of what Roger just said I think makes sense. In that, yeah, I mean, if 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 you do get a quarterback, which is the most valued position in the sport now, to hold out and just said, no, I'm not, I'm not showing up till you guys give me my new contract. Yeah, but I, but 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 that's yeah, but, but I, those, but the quarterbacks always yeah. get paid. The quarterbacks right. are they're so, gonna get paid. So they're not. So there's no incentive in them. So they're not gonna forfeit their contracts. Yeah, no. They, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was never going to hold. Aaron Rodgers was never going to hold out because he knew he was going to get paid. He knew the Packers and were going to pay him. Roderick's point: What are you going to get? The quarterbacks are all going to say, "We'll forfeit our salary while you still make your salary, but we're representing you." The players' association just needs to grow a spine. Yeah, they just need to grow a spine, but they especially don't need the comments by the Steelers' offensive linemen are another example of how weak that union is. Like there's no solidarity. There's no and, and if the NFL was doing okay but not great, I might get it. But the owners are laughing. The owners are beating you at every single turn. Hey Chris, what's up? All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Good luck next week. Thank you. I think what's up, Chris? The, the the biggest flaw with your argument is that the Steelers can't negotiate a new contract with Le'Veon until week eleven, and the guards and his offensive line did not turn on Le'Veon until Wednesday, the last time when they realized he's going to be out for an extended period of time. But what he they, has to send that franchise tender right? But because they, they can't re- renegotiate a long-term deal. But they, they have no leverage. Right, but they can, but they can long-term. So, I mean, they, they can have a contract set to go. He, he can play through, through the time period where the franchise tender takes effect, and then as soon as that's done, sign a long-term contract. So you think that he's going to be okay playing the whole season on a verbal? I mean, we know this is a business. There's no way, because if he gets hurt, that verbal is never going to hold up. Well, all I'm saying is it makes no sense to me to have your teammates turn on you when at every single possible chance the owners laugh at you and beat you in situations like this. And also, Chris, you're watching everybody else get paid. And so, but now, but now th- th- these guys are going to turn on their teammate? That makes no sense to me. I guess my biggest thing is they waited till the last possible moment. They were team first. They were Le'Veon first until they realized that their season was screwed. And that's what they care about. I mean, that's but, all I got. Thanks, Chris. Thanks Appreciate for, it. Well, here's, here's my thing with that, though. If, if, if it's so – if this is about football, mm-hmm. if you're Foster and Pouncey and this is about football and you're mad at him because he's not here and you need him to win a Super Bowl and all that stuff, go to bat for him. Go to bat for him. Right. Go to the front office and tell them, look, we need him. Right. Get a deal done with him. Can you please get a deal done with him? That And think about this. And, and it's kind of a different situation, but remember the Philadelphia Eagles situation with, with T.O. and McNabb? And, yeah, of course. And T.O. got T.O. wanted a new contract. I think he just wanted like more guaranteed money or something like that. Yep. And he was upset with Donovan McNabb because Donovan McNabb went to bat for Brian Westbrook. Because because Donovan McNabb went up to the front office and said, "Hey, get a new deal done with Brian Westbrook," mm-hmm. but didn't do it for T.O. And in Bell's case, Chris's point is a good one. In Bell's case, they can't redo the deal right, right. now, but Correct. but they could have done it previously. And you and and my ultimate point is not just the Steelers. My ultimate point is to have players 
like that turning on each other shows you shows you exactly what a at. joke the players' association is, and it shows because they you, should be sticking together. Yes, and yes. and we are talking about once again we're talking about the most popular, profitable sport in the United States of America, and these guys are you are a joke to them. Mm-hmm. You are a joke, and and I told when. Uh, Jerome Felton used to be on the show. I flat out told him this during the whole Peterson thing. I said, why do you pay dues? Like, what are you paying dues for? Why are you paying D. Smith? What's mm-hmm. he doing for you? Not doing anything. He got you, he got you less contact in practices, and you guys all thought that was the bee's knees. <laughs> Honest to God. That was their big concession. That was their big thing. Less contact. Easier training camp practices. That should have been... One of a hundred things, concessions that these guys got. They are the best at what they do in a sport that a lot of people don't want to play. And my contention is if they go out, 1987 is a long time ago. If these jokers of owners come back to Fox and CBS and NBC and say, and ESPN and say, we got replacement players, the networks are going to say, no, no, you don't mm-hmm. play the games, but we're not showing them. So these guys do have leverage, but they don't use it. And they turn on each other, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. And I don't get why. I mean, look at hockey stronger. Hockey. They got Donald Fair. They're stronger. Can you imagine if Donald Fair got his hands on the Players Association for football? But he should. They should. Get something. Get something. Look at the Vikings. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in Egan on a bleeping pile of real estate with a college campus. They're sitting in Minneapolis with a state-of-the-art stadium. $1.1 billion stadium. And what do the players get from that? What do the players... Kirk Cousins does. Okay, I get that. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. $84 Mm -hmm. million. I I get that. But as a whole, what what do the players get from that? Players get almost nothing from that. It's ridiculous. Uh, Smalley joins at the bottom of the hour. It is Mackie and Judd right now. It is uh, Zolgad. It is Manny. Uh, James Murphy producing TCL Broadcast Studios is our location. Mackie and Judd. Judd and Manny TCL uh, Broadcast Studios. Roy Smalley right around the corner for his uh, weekly Thursday baseball discussion with us. Uh, Plenty to get to, including... The Byron Buxton decision and uh, much more. I got a question for you, both of you guys. Is there anything worse than watching the grind to the end of a bad baseball season, sports-wise? If you're a sports (laughs) fan, like, is the grind to the end of a bad NBA or an NHL uh, or or football? But I, because I was watching that this Twins thing. You know, Johnny Field's playing now. And honest to God, I watched seven innings of that absolute crap last night. And Houston's good, so they're fun to watch. But when the team that you watch on a consistent basis has basically been picked apart by the Vultures, there's nothing. Is there anything more depressing or downright hard to watch than the end of a bad baseball season? It's, uh, I think, a bad NBA season is pretty close. And, Lord knows we've seen plenty of those in this town. <laughs> Bad NBA seasons that uh, really, really go in the tank at the end of the year. Um, yeah, with baseball, it's 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 really hard because there are so many games still. Like you get to the last third of the season, and there's still fifty games left. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? You get to like August and there's still 50 games left and you're just, you're 15 games out in the division and there's just nothing. There's, there's no, there's nothing that's going to happen. You know, the season's over basically. And now you're just granted. I go back to the 2011 twins. Remember that? Like just when everything happened with, 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 with Joe and the 99 losses, right? Yeah, the quest to avoid. They celebrated like mad. They they won that last game. Yeah, the BLW with Joe, and they ran and, out on the field like they won a World Series. It was really really pathetic. Yeah, and then like because you got to the end. First of all, they went and got Nishioka, and he was a complete disaster. He was awful. And then you get to the last part of the season, and it's like Renee Tosoni's playing in the outfield, and you're just like, you know. <laughs> Cuddy's still there, but it's just like, yeah, Cuddy's probably going to be gone after the year. And, and just, uh, yeah, it, it's, um, that's rough, man. That I, I can't think of anything that's worse, probably. I think this year's particularly bad because all of the narratives that we were actually looking, f- maybe like looking to watch for in the last month are gone. No Buxton, Sano's hurt. Uh, I was looking forward to actually seeing Michael Pineda make a start. That's not happening. <laughs> oh like there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing to watch the game for. That's why I'm confused why you were even watching last night, Judd. What made you? What made you want to tune in for that game? I listened to a bunch and then I turned Jake it on. Just Rizzi for fun. started last night too. Yeah. Jack. What were you thinking? <laughs> I, listen, I can't. Hey, by the way, when when was the disappointment last time? Is Jake. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. I was in Chicago the night that it was a Saturday night that trade went down, and I thought this is oh wow. I thought they'd get and him. He and now started they did. out the season. He actually pitched pretty well to start out the season. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, it's like every start he's going four and a third. This is my fault. Four and two thirds. I thought he was good. I did too. He he he's always been a pretty and may, hopefully I guess we can just hope that this was just a one bad year sort of thing because he in 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 Tampa oh, he, he was never next year. he was never dominant in Tampa but he wasn't he was good. okay he's fine yeah he's a he was a above average I'd say major league starter and he's been very very average to below average this year and remember too he was the opening day starter right place. right. I know he was. I thought he, he was, was good. Day I thought they yeah. got something. Yeah. St- and he started out his first couple starts. He was pretty good. I thought they got something. I really yeah. did. I was. I, yeah. I the night that trade was made. I thought this is fantastic. This is. This looks like a team that can contend. But this goes back to, <sighs> and and Royce's <laughs> made this point a few times where it just when you got to spring training and you could kind of you could almost kind of see this coming like this whole season. Where it was just the vibe was just not there was just something that just told you, eh, this is gonna be yeah. It started with the Irv news of the finger injury that he was gonna be out for a while. Polanco getting pinched. Polanco yeah. getting suspended. We've, we've decided that that when a guy gets pinched for cheating on this team, it's going to lead to a long <laughs> ear. Because if I'm correct, Irv got pinched yep. right but yeah, so And and possibly yep. a Jason Stark question. When someone gets benched. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, that's not fair. That's not fair. All right, we'll uh, take a break. Come back. Roy Smalley joins us next. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, now, with former twins great turned FSN analyst Roy Smalley. Hey, Roy, what's going on? How are you today? <laughs> I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, fantastic. I, I got a question for, for you as a guy who played this game because we just talked about this from a fan's perspective. 
How tough is this month when when you're playing for a team and and things have gone this wrong? I mean, how difficult? I I tuned in last night and I watched a, a lot of the game, but I'm watching it thinking, why am I watching this? So <laughs> when you're forced to attend, uh, and and let's say that that you're not a guy trying to vie for a job, so you're you're forced to be there, you're forced to play. And it uh, at some point probably seems pointless. How difficult is that? Well, it's really it's it's difficult, and it, and it's all about what you get, what a player has inside of him. I mean, there's a a salary drive, what they used to call salary drive <laughs> element uh, to it. When there's when there's no pennant drive, there's a there's a salary drive, um, and so guys are uh, you know. Here's the thing. I mean, guys need to finish as strong as they can for personal reasons in terms of, you know, what they're going to get paid. But guys also, uh, this is a giant, giant audition uh, next year. I don't think there's a uh, position on the field other than uh, maybe left field with Rosario that uh, is, that. Any player can go in on the Twins can go into the offseason and go, well, I'm locked down, or that the front office can say, well, we're good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's, there's, there, we had question marks to start the season, and we've got those question marks became bigger, and the ones we didn't have you know, showed up as questions now. And so, you know, I mean, everybody's got to you know, dig deep and decide. You know, I mean, they're playing, I think they're playing for a lot. I think they're playing for the. Uh, the, the taste in the mouths of the front office as they go into the winter, for quite frankly. And if players don't realize that, then the game has really changed a lot. So, so Roy, I want to ask you about Byron Buxton. So, okay, so he's not he's not with the club in September, and obviously that that you know that whole topic has been debated and you know for the last few days by so many different people and everything. So now, from your perspective, what what is next for Byron now? Like, what does he... Obviously, this year has been so disappointing for him. So now, this offseason, if you're him, if you're the Twins front office and, and management, what what is next for them? How do they get this going the right way? I think I mentioned uh, when I was talking with, um, with you all uh, before, uh, back a few weeks ago, uh, I think this is a radical idea, and I don't know if this would ever be done. But I would, I would really strongly suggest. And now, you know, with how they're feeling about each other right now, I don't know if Byron and his agent would ever now agree to this. And I, and I would say it's a radical idea from a from a team standpoint. But I still think it's, I still think it's the right thing. I think they should uh, have both uh, Byron and. Uh, Miguel Sano, when he's healthy again, uh, go to winter ball. Miguel will will go back to the Dominican Republic and play. But I would, I think, I would probably send Byron, you know, to the same team, and it's it would be San Pedro de San Pedro de Macorís, where uh, where Miguel's from, and uh, I would send a uh, uh, the hitting coach down there that you want. If it's the same one for both of them, fine. If it's two different guys, I mean, spend whatever money you have to spend to have them play. Meaningful uh, baseball games, meaning the competition down there is pretty good. Uh, it's you know just below you know big league level. I would say it's in many instances is better than AAA level because there's so many Dominican players that are in the big leagues that will play. 
and uh, Dominican players that and American players that are AAA or or higher that will play. These guys need to play. They haven't played a lot of games in two or three years, and certainly this year is the you know maybe the the worst of of all of them. And I just don't know if I were the front office if I would be happy thinking about. I don't know how Byron's going to be because he's been uh, inconsistent at the plate, and if he just goes back home and hits in the cage and you know works out however he works out, which and, and I know he works hard, but it's a it's a question of 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 uh, uh, being uh, challenged with good competition or not having been challenged with good competition in a long time for a long enough stretch, I'd send my hitting coach down there with him and I'd work every day uh, on the kind of hitting mechanics that uh, they, they want him to get to and then they could work on it during the game at night and have him play for four or five or six weeks and then no you know when he's when he comes into spring training he'll be he'll be ready and we'll have less less a less a question mark about about where he is and and again the caveat is i think that's probably a radical idea i don't know if any if that's ever been done with a player like that uh before but if i were in the front office i'd be concerned about uh byron not uh, having no 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 sure idea about what byron's working on until next february all right, Roy, I've written down three words. Befuddled, confused, and perplexed. Can you explain to me what's going on here? Because I'm completely with you. Byron needs to play. Byron needs Byron needs to be around the team. Byron needs to work, and even if you don't want to play him on a daily basis here. Um, I understand that this probably almost certainly comes down to service time, but this is one for the life of me, and I've thought about this for five days now. This is one I can't get my head around and I just don't get. Well, I think it's service time, uh, and um, I, I, I think that if you look at it from management perspective, um, I, I think that they have a big investment in Byron Buxton, both you know financially and um, and emotionally, and uh, what it means. And this is the biggest investment in in, in Byron. What it would mean if he turns out. You know, to be a 198 hitter. Um, I mean, it's a it's a big reset if if Byron and and Sano uh, don't turn out to be the you know the players. Look, when you look at the at the contending teams, you can look at two two guys on on every team and say those guys are those those guys are the heart and soul of this team. I mean, look at if Byron and Miguel aren't the Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor, even though they play different positions, mm-hmm. then the the Twins have a gigantic problem. They're they're set back five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, where are they going to find? Look at you know Sanchez and Judge in uh, New York. Look at Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, or you know, pick any two any team and pick two guys. The Twins need to have those two guys to compete. They need to have two guys of that caliber. Who is it on the Twins if it's not Buxton and Sano in the next, you know, next year or the year after that? Who is it? And it's a five-year reset. So they've got this giant uh, investment in, in Byron Buxton. And so far what they've got basically is an inconsistent hitter and a whole bunch of injuries. And so it, for, to bring him up for the last 30 days, and I'm thinking like a front office now, for bringing him up for the last 30 days, 
uh, and then lose a year of eligibility when we don't really know what we have, and and someone else ha- will have the op- maybe have a, an opportunity to have this guy blossom, not us, because we lost a year of eligibility in a, in a down year. I can sure understand where a front office would be thinking that way. Jake Odorizzi, sir, what is going on? Because he started out the year, he was the opening day starter, and his first few starts were really, really solid. And now it's just like every time he takes the hill, you're just wondering, if he, is he going to get to five innings? And what, 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 is, what has been the issue with him? Is it just command? Is it velocity? What, what is the issue with, J- with Jake Odorizzi? Why has he been struggling so much? Well, it's it's both of those things that you that you bring up. I mean, it's it's command and velocity. His his fastball plays pretty well up in the strike zone. It's always it's always been that way for whatever reason. The players nowadays call it carry. I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's it it's when a pitcher's fastball two pit two fastballs at the same velocity, one seems to get on hitters quicker than another and this the you know it says 91 or 92 or 93 or whatever it says on the screen uh but hitters have more uh more comfort against one than the other and so and that's described as being carry it means the ball can keeps its keeps its line to the plate but and doesn't sink you know doesn't start losing you know the velocity and he's had pretty good carry, if you will, up in the strike zone, you know, for his career. He gets a lot of swings and misses and pop-ups and, and the like on, on his high fastball. But it's only 91 or 92 miles an hour. And, you know, I think hitters have started to say, look, we're just not going to swing at that thing up there. And, they, and, they're, and so he's got, he's got to hit that exact top-line strike zone box uh, with that high fastball. Or he comes down more in the center of the strike zone, and and the the, the carry is not as good. Hitters have better better swings, and then so then he has to go to secondary pitches. He's got a little slider and a, and a slow curve and a changeup, and those and he hasn't had great command with you know with those, and and he has a trouble he has trouble with you know having a put away pitch. All of those are okay, but even if he gets to two strikes, if you'll notice, he he has a hard time. You know, putting guys away with two strikes unless it's getting them to swing at high fastball. So it's it's just a combination of a lot of things. If somebody had come up to you in 1982, Roy Smalley, and said, "Hey, here's a list of new baseball terms that in 35 years are going to be popular," <laughs> what would you have said to them if they had said, you know, launch angle and carry and all these things? What would you have said to, to them back in 1982? <laughs> I- well, it would have been it would have been Greek, clearly. I mean, I, I would, yeah. and um, and I I guess I would have said I would have said the same thing that I that I say now. And I'm fine with all these terms. It's great. I mean, I have to learn them, uh, and so I mean, sure. it, 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 it's fine. But I, I guess back in 1982, I would have said, why? Um, you know, the guys got for us. You know, the carry was the guy has a the guy has a sneaky fastball, or the ball gets on you quicker than you think. And another one I I love, and this is just this is just the thing. Now it's it's uh, pitcher has to hit his spots. You know, <laughs> for me, for me, it's you know pitcher needs to throw the ball where he wants to throw it. Right? He's yeah. got to he's got to throw it where he's aiming. You know, kind of thing. And now it's now they have spots that they're trying to hit, and he has to, and those are his. Yep. And he has and he has to hit those. The pitcher has to hit his spots. You know, and and I get you know I think 
to some degree, I, I think some of these things, you know, like that one, for instance, are they're descriptive for fans, and and you know, uh, I, I think they're I think they're fine. I, but I, you raise a good point. It is it is funny to me because we had we had we had terms for all the same ones. They were a little bit they were a little bit more mundane. Remember when it just used to be throw the ball, see the ball, hit the ball, catch the ball, right? <laughs> like that's so for so long. That's just if you could do all those things really well, then you were going to play baseball for a long time. You know, this is this is only uh, this is not exactly. I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is not uh, exactly germane to the topic, but for some reason it re- it reminded me. Somebody asked my buddy uh, Ken Herbig, who was one of the funniest guys ever, still is, and uh, in this in a dry. <laughs> Dry sort of way, and and you know now we're talking about maple bats being harder, and the baseballs being, you know, not having the raised seams, and the and the covering is tighter, and so the balls, you know, getting launched, you know, farther, and all that stuff. We had you know the the juiced up ball controversy back in the day, also, and we were playing at the Metrodome, and someone with the media came up. Herbie was slumping; he wasn't swinging the bat very well, and. Someone came up and asked him if he thought that the, that the balls were juiced, and Herbie looked at him incredulously and says, "What? You think my three hoppers to second base are getting there faster, or what?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great. That's uh, last thing. Speaking of, of new terms, do you think the opener and primary pitcher concept are here to stay? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> but you know, they probably they, it's. It's gonna it's gonna work as long it's gonna be here as long as it as long as it works. Um, I, I think that um, it, it's a. Uh, I mean, they might as well do they might might just as well do something like that. I mean, the the the, the game has changed from an analytics standpoint to the uh, to the point where I, I think we're gonna see a lot of these kinds of things where it's, where it's just gonna be getting more and more. Uh, complex about the things that are tried, and this is going to be tried for for a while by more and more teams, as long as it's as long as it's being uh, you know successful. And right. and and basically, what we're seeing with that is that teams just aren't deep in in a starting rotation. You know, very very few teams uh, are, and uh, the teams that uh, are deep, the deepest in the starting rotation are the teams that are going to be in the postseason. And so the other teams are trying to figure out, okay, if we're not as deep as those guys, how can we compete until we do get as deep as those guys? And the, you know, you're not going to see Barrios, you know, come in in the second inning. I mean, right. you're not going to, but you, but for teams that, you know, their third, fourth, or fifth starters, you know, aren't measuring up, then uh, then you're going to see this, and you know, and, and by more and more teams until 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 it just doesn't work. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Roy. Thanks, Roy. Take yeah. care. All right, bye. Roy Smalley joins us every uh, Thursday. That's great. Always a great baseball conversation. There's always one good story. There's at least, <laughs> if, if you ask him the right question, you, you get at least one, if not two, uh, great baseball stories. Take a break. Uh, come back. Top of the hour, we are going to, uh, we are both going to do something that is a nod to the fact that this weekend at U.S. Bank Stadium, there is an anniversary going on some people are going to really enjoy it and i think some people might not enjoy it as much and this portion of Mackie and judd is sponsored by frad loney's ace hardware and garden store is also a proud sponsor of the beer show and this portion of Mackie and judd is actually judd and manny and james murphy correct tcl broadcast studios um 
as I said before, going into the break, at the top of the hour, we have uh, we both have lists coming up in owe to the fact that the Vikings will be celebrating an anniversary that some will probably embrace because it's the year Andy Moss came on the scene, and some will not embrace because it was a year of heartbreak. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll talk about that shortly here. Uh, Smalley stuff is great. Yeah. It always is. But here's what I respect about Roy. And it's where Roy, on a weekly basis, is among the things. He's great on a lot of stuff, but it's among the things that he tries really hard and has worked really hard to basically stay okay, be okay with being current with baseball. Because you know you get your you get your Black Jack Morrises and your Blylevins, and they got no interest. Mm-hmm. They've got no interest. Roy. Roy works very hard to stay uh, current and be okay with that. But you do get the times if you have either played the sport for a long, long time or watched it for a long, long time. You do get the times, I think, where your patience is tested to a mm-hmm. certain degree. It's like, how many new ways can you describe something that's been going on for a long time? And there, listen, baseball has a lot of changes that are admirable and they're great. They're fine. They're fun. Mm-hmm. But there's other things with it feels like people are trying to reinvent a wheel and you're like, you know, why don't you just sit down right there? Because you're not saying anything new. You're just saying it differently. It's the oversaturation of terminology that I think that kind of gets me sometimes is that because I'm I'm a guy like I I think that, you know, analytics and everything is good and I think it's very helpful and I think it's a good tool. And I think that there's there's a there's there needs to be a happy medium between that and you know the eye test and just looking at things and and factoring in personality and yeah circumstance and, and all of that like there needs to be like that happy medium that balance to it and I think what what happens is and this is why to your point with Roy I think it's it's what makes Roy fantastic is that he Roy gets it that you got to find that happy medium and he between works hard both to, sides. He works yes. hard to find it. And but you know you have the people that are on one side of it that just want to hammer home yeah. all the analytics, and then you have the other people on the other side of it that's just saying I'm old school and I just want to talk about this and side complete, of it. And, and if you don't pitch a complete game, you're you know you're, yeah. you're weak. But I think there needs to be some. We we got to find some way to meet in the middle on both sides of it, and I think Roy does a terrific job at that. Smalley is the nephew of Gene Mock, who who was the manager of the Twins when I was a kid and first started to follow that team. And if you go back and look at Gene's past, Mock was incorporating a lot of the stuff that's commonplace now 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, Mock was a baseball savant, genius. And so Roy has seen all this stuff. And so I I, I think if you were to delve into the conversation with Roy... He would probably ultimately be amused by the fact that it comes up now as if, oh, this is brand, you know, Bill James did this, or, and I think Roy probably thinks to himself, well, Mock did that in 1968, but that's okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, always a fun baseball conversation. Uh, let's uh, take a break from the TCL broadcast studios. When Manny and I return, we are going to unveil lists celebrating great seasons in Minnesota sports, and we're going to do it because of a great season that, uh, well, let's just say, came off the tracks.